0: Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. My name is Brendan Lotz and joining me as always is Clinton Matos. Hello again everybody. And Robin Nicchetti. Howdy. Are uh, you guys having a good week so far? Been a bit cold, although not as cold as last week if I'm honest. Uh, aside from load shedding,
1: it's been uh, it's been pretty good. Oh yeah, uh, load shedding, hey. <laughs> yeah, I saw, saw some family. Uh, we got something in for review just this morning that I can't mention yet and I'm excited to review that. So it's been uh, a pretty decent week so far
2: yourself robin yeah less than decent uh, battling oh, nice. with the city of joburg
1: oh goodness. Which it's always
0: fun yeah battling with the council and the municipality it's always a fun time uh let's dive straight into news on that <laughs> note then uh clinton you got yes. to
1: watch uh, tom cruise running around or flying around yes. i suppose it, it's so funny so i saw the new top gun maverick and at some point in that movie, he does do a big run. And it's very <laughs> important to the uh, the plot of the movie and to like uh, the action of the scene that he does a big run. So I had, a good, I, had a, I had a good laugh at that in the movie theater. We're in the big IMAX theater and I, I laughed pretty loud and people looked at me funny because it wasn't a funny scene. This was just Tom Cruise running. Anyway, <laughs> Top Gun Maverick, direct sequel to the 1986 movie. Um, it's set in modern times and basically... You know, the real world years that have passed have also passed in uh, in the movie. Uh, Mr. Maverick, he's still a captain in the Navy. He hasn't been promoted. He's still flying planes. And he's tasked with returning back to the Top Gun Academy to train a new group of pilots to go on some kind of suicidal mission. Um, None of that's a spoiler. That is all in the official synopsis of the movie. And I've seen it already. You can check out the full review for it. And also, the review has no spoilers. How did I like it overall? It was pretty good. Um it was very cheesy. It was very schmaltzy. Um it didn't do too much that you wouldn't expect from a movie like this. But overall, I had a lot of fun. Um the story itself just exists to have people in fighter planes. Um the dialogue is not great. <laughs> it's like maybe not 80s movie bad, but it, it it's pretty bad, but the stuff that's important which is, you know, Military hardware being very loud and very fast—that all works very well. um I mentioned it in the review. They actually used a lot of real planes and real military equipment, um and you can see it. You know, I think we're going to talk about some Marvel movies uh, later on in the podcast, and I am going to say that the the CGI in Marvel and other big movies has been awful of late. So you see a movie that I'm sure did have CGI, but it was very minimal, and a lot of it was real—you know, practical effects, which I really liked. Um, the audio was also very good. Again, we saw it in IMAX, so that was the best possible settings for it. And, you know, I rewatched the 1986 movie recently, um, just before I went into this to get, you know, uh, to remind myself about what the series is about. And that movie really knocks you over the head with its uh, music and its sound. And this new movie is very reserved. It's sometimes there's just silence, sometimes you just hear like jets or. sometimes when there is music it is very low key so i'm happy that they were reserved with that and they used it where it's appropriate so overall i it's a good time and i think it's one of those movies where you have to go see it in the theater um i know the pandemic is still ongoing and even if you've been triple vaccinated you can there's still a chance but if you're one of the people who only sees one or two movies a year i think you should make this one of them and also um this is a dad movie through and through uh, like ad astra uh, from a few years ago and also Ford versus ferrari from a few years ago this is a this is a, a it's a, it's just a movie that will make dads happy and especially because it's a sequel to a movie that uh, probably came out when your dad was younger so i, I really recommend uh, i think a lot of dads um like my dad is in his 60s now he doesn't go to a lot of movies like maybe one a year if we're lucky and we can drag him out to one um if we did take him to a movie i think this is definitely the one for this year so check out my review again it's spoiler free and i don't want to talk too much about it otherwise i will spoil it and the other reason i don't want to talk too much about it is i also want to use my time now to talk about a contest that we're running if you're listening to this right now on the day that we published it you can go check out a contest that we have on twitter all you need to do is retweet and follow our official account and you are entered it will be going until the 31st of may so there's going to be a few more days you still got the whole weekend and a few days next week to enter and you will win a bundle of Top Gun merch. Now, we don't actually have the merch on us right now. Um, The sponsor will send it directly to the winners. There's three bundles we're giving away. But I have seen some of the merch because they actually gave some away at the, um, the press screening I went to. So it's really nice stuff. If you're a fan of Top Gun, if you just want to win some cool stuff, please check out that contest. Um, We'll have a link to my review. We'll have a link to the contest and we'll have a link to everything we talk about in the podcast in this story. So check that out. Are you guys uh, going to see this or are you going to wait for it to come to home streaming or what do you say? Mm,
0: I don't know actually. (laughs) like I wasn't really a, a Top Gun fan. I think the the biggest thing of my life that it influenced was like the soundtrack yeah like the soundtrack is just burned into my skull like danger zone Uh, Yeah. every time I hear that song all I can think of is Top Gun but I mean it wasn't really a a movie that I enjoyed because I don't know military stuff just never appealed to me you know so I I don't really know what I feel about this movie New Robin
2: if there is a shirtless volleyball scene with guys in jeans I'm on Uh, (laughs)
1: I can answer that, but it, it will be a spoiler. Maybe I must <laughs> tell you uh, after the podcast. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know what to say <laughs> about that. Uh, I also have a lot of jokes about that. Um, but yeah, uh, I will say to you, Robin, I think the best thing I can say is that if you're going to see Top Gun just for that, this movie doesn't have it, but it has a good replacement. So uh, yeah, take of that what you will. Boo. No. <laughs> is it people uh, playing Flight Simulator? <laughs> 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 for those who don't know uh top gun maverick is a free dlc in in uh, flight simulator um no it's a, it's not a boo i promise it will be a it will be a yay okay. i promise yes. yeah so uh it comes out this weekend correct clinson uh 27th of may in south africa which is this friday um i think it's already out in america but then again it's a very american movie um but in South Africa, Friday, 27th of May, other parts of the world will probably already have it by the time this podcast is out. Fantastic. Get down to your cinema if
0: you want to give your dad a, a, a bit of a nostalgia injection. Uh, speaking of injections, uh, Robin, you've got some news about a company that received some investment this week, some sizable investment at that.
2: Yes, a beautiful segue. Um, so a local edtech startup, Fundamate, Um they received uh, $2 million in seed funding. Uh, it was a round that was led by a UK-based venture capitalist firm called Local Globe. And yeah, it's obviously a huge step forward for FinderMate, which only uh, officially launched uh, early last year. And in that time, um, for those who are unfamiliar with the platform, it uh, utilizes a combination of, of WhatsApp and Facebook chatbots, to assist learners when it comes to access to study materials. Um, that includes stuff like past papers, study notes, and also kind of answering very specific questions that are curriculum based. Um, it also uh, kind of focuses on trying to circumvent the need for printing of documents, which of course is a very costly affair, as as, as we all know, uh, having con- gone through the rigors of uh, university and all those other things. Um, so yeah, it, it is obviously a very interesting platform. It is. Meeting a very immediate need, we kind of seen during uh, the pandemic uh, how the digital divide really uh, played a role as far as the education sector is concerned. So it is really exciting to see, especially a local uh, startup, really making some inroads. Um, so like I said, uh, the value launched last year, uh, but in that time they're already being used by 400,000 uh, learners wow. uh, in 30 different countries, and uh, their platform is uh, is enabled with uh, 10. It's, or, uh, it supports 10 different languages. So they are making uh, a lot of ground uh, up as far as it comes to kind of giving learners access to resources uh, for education. Um, so like I said, they have received this uh, injection and they are planning to use it to kind of expand their reach into other parts of the world, uh, hoping specifically Africa in particular, um, and one of the interesting things, uh, one of the co-founders, uh, Dakoda uh, Magagula, um, he's put TechCrunch around the story. And the kind of the next big target for Fundament is to ha- uh, have fifty million learners on the platform. I know that's quite a six, significant jump yeah. from the current four hundred thousand. But yeah, it will be really interesting to see how they do. And I think it is potentially a really interesting platform for local learners to kind of look at.
0: Mm, I mean especially with a, a nice cash injection I mean that's a that's a big goal 50 million is a lot of people but I mean if you if you're gonna like use some of that money for marketing uh, improving your service and your platform I see no reason why that's not achievable yeah yeah I think that's a that's a, a very cool uh, very cool init- or very cool platform uh, and hope to see it go from strength to strength. Uh, Let's move on to Starlink. This week, Starlink announced a new product offering that will see users paying more but getting less. The offering is called Starlink RV, which stands for recreational vehicle. Uh, They're kind of big in the U.S., but not so big here. So if you don't know what a recreational vehicle is... Um, I suggest watching some American media or just Googling it. Uh, anyway, Starlink RV uh, allows users to skip the waitlist, uh, but you'll have to pay upfront an upfront fee of $599 to get the equipment. Uh, and then beyond that, you'll also be paying $135 per month for the internet service fee compared to $110. Um, And you would think that by paying more, you would get a better service, but that's not the case. Uh, According to an FAQ on the Starlink website, uh, network resources are always deprioritized for Starlink for RV users compared to other Starlink services, resulting in degraded service and slower speeds in congested areas and during peak hours. Stated speeds and uninterrupted use of service are not guaranteed. Service degradation will always be most extreme in waitlist areas on the Starlink availability map during peak hours. So essentially, you get to move around with your Starlink uh, uh, satellite and internet service. Um, However, it doesn't fit in a car, as Elon Musk tweeted out. Um, So this is essentially for the van lifers. Sorry, that made me cringe into my own skull. Um, The van lifers who are driving around and need an internet connection, but the the price you pay for this and the fact that it's deprioritized and there's no guarantee of quality of service, wouldn't you just use a mobile network? Yeah. You know, this. the whole time I was writing this, I was just like, but the problem is, right, is that we're not in the United States. So we don't know what their network coverage is like over there, right? I mean, it could be really great in major cities, but really bad once you leave those major cities. Um, I mean, the same can be said for South Africa, although I think to a large extent, Uh, folks like Vodacom and MTN have done a really good job of bathing the country in connectivity. Uh, I think it's very rare if you have a group of friends who all work on different networks that none of them will have signal. Uh, I mean, obviously, unless you're going to the most extremely remote places in the country. But it was just odd to me that America, this first world country, um, doesn't seem to have yeah, especially with the appetite that I saw online for this. If you go to the Starlink uh, subreddit on Reddit, you'll see a—you'll just see folks like, I'm signing up for this. I'm signing up for this. And you're like, people sure have a lot of uh,
1: li- liquidity to burn. Yeah, but I think whenever we talk about something that's connected to Musk, I have to wonder how much of it is just a Hype. blind fanboyism. Yeah. Mm. Um, and how many people are just, I don't know what else to call them, but not early adopters, but they're more... They want to get in on something just because it's new, not because they really have a need for it. Yeah. Um, which I guess is an early adopter by another definition. So yeah, I, I yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm hesitant about people saying, Oh, I'm so happy for this when it's musk and it's fanboyism and all of that. But if people have read the terms and conditions and they have said, Oh, that's exactly what I need for my specific internet connectivity situation, then you know, good for them. More choice is always good, I suppose.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, well, I just hope that this sort of uh, tiering isn't in effect when Starlink uh, becomes available in more countries. Um, I, the idea of paying more for a services mm-hmm. that I can travel around with, it's just silly. Just silly. When I can get an LTE connection from MTN for far less money. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, you can even get a, um, a home 5G connection that is much cheaper than a mobile network. But you can, in, in I don't know about the terms of service, but I think you can just pick those up and take them around. Um, I remember we had one in the office at one point, and it was great for a month, and then they started throttling us. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sure there's lots of other options. And, yeah, I hope the people getting it early at least have a decent experience for all the money they're going to burn. Yeah.
0: Right, let's get on to the the core of this podcast today. Uh, the what we're going to talk about this week is stuff that we're looking forward to that's still to come in 2020 particularly in the next month um and yeah uh we've got some games movies and series that we want to throw forward to that are coming out uh and i think we're going to start off with games and let's start with you robin uh because yours is quite interesting you're looking forward to the uncharted series on pc why's that
2: yeah, uh, that's Legacy of Fuse Collection. Um, I guess i am kind of cheated with my picks today. Um, but with regards to this one, um, it was initially outlined for a release on the 20th of June. If you check out uh, the Steam and Epic Store pages, it says coming soon now. So uh, we're kind of penciling in 20th June as the date. Um, but yeah, we got the chance to actually review this game. Uh, it was uh, on the PS5. It was a PS5 exclusive when it launched. Mm. Uh, very early in the year, I think uh, in, the, in January it launched. Um, we got to try it out. Um, it bundled together uh, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, and then it also uh, added to that uh, Lost, The Lost Legacy kind of, I wouldn't say it's a DLC, but I guess rather the, the additional title in mm-hmm. that series. Um, obviously, we are big fans of Thief's End. Uh, it's potentially one of the better, or if not the best, uh, endings to a PlayStation-exclusive franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it really kind of tied a really nice, neat bow on that kind of Nathan Drake story. Um it is, yeah, as far as... I guess franchises go; it's, it shifts, kiss. Yes. But um, so that kind of experience is really great, especially on the PS5. It was a really kind of slick presentation of the um, of both titles. Uh, we must admit that Thief's End was probably the one that we leaned uh, towards more, uh, purely for some, I guess, some PS4 nostalgia. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's potentially coming to PC on the 20th of June, and it kind of links quite nicely to a story that we wrote earlier this week, where Sony has kind of detailed plans with regards to its very much console-centric approach to PlayStation titles, uh, they're looking to evolve that over the coming years, and are planning to have potentially as, many, as much as half of its new uh, exclusive game releases being on PC and mobile as well. So it is, I think, probably a move in the right direction. I think Sony have had to be quite agile as far as decision-making uh, is concerned in the gaming space. We know that they are kind of falling behind uh, Xbox in a lot of categories. And making more titles available on PC looks to be like a smarter strategy, in my view. So yeah, um, that game is potentially coming on 20th of June. Hopefully that coming soon uh, banner will change on those, on the Steam and Epic Store pages to 20th of June. It, they were initially removed. And yeah, if it does obviously stick to that, it is definitely, I think, a game, or rather a pair of games that are it's worthwhile picking up. Um, to kind of really give you a great kind of narrative-driven and kind of action uh, experience.
0: Yeah, I think that's what PlayStation games are just so good at—is that single-player narrative experience that's just engaging as well. Like, I—I I don't mean to uh, slam other other publishers or other companies that make single-player games, but I think Sony's just got a formula that works and manages hit it out of the park time and time again um i am curious to know what else they're going to release on pc uh, well especially with their console
1: oh clinton yes yes there was a leak a few months ago um geforce uh, a geforce driver update i think it was listed support for upcoming sony games that hadn't been announced yet and that actually revealed uncharted before the official announcement oh. um i just want to bring it up quick um the one I wanted to mention, why, um, while Robin was talking, was uh, Returnal. Oh, uh, right. That is coming to PC, but hasn't been announced yet. So, uh, sorry guys, I'm just looking for it. I didn't know we were going to discuss this, but <laughs> Returnal is coming. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, I just want the list.
2: Another great narrative-driven first-person. Yeah.
1: Uh, Marvel's Spider-Man. Single player.
0: No. Oh, come on come um, on we...
1: sony although uh,
0: to be fair yeah, i go think ahead.
1: That... sorry clinton yeah uh Returnal goes to tsushima uncharted like i said um they stranding director's cut Zack boy a big adventure um hull divers 2 which i don't think that has even been announced yet, but no. it says may 3rd so that some of these dates are wrong um horizon forbidden west and ratchet and clank
0: Yeah, I I can see uh, Horizon Forbidden West, especially given how well uh, Zero Dawn did on PC. Um, Although I do wonder whether that was kind of the novelty of a PlayStation game coming to PC um, that helped drive sales of that game. Also incorrect pricing on the South African store. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) where You could pick up the game for literally like under 70 bucks. Um, So yeah, I'm curious to see, but... Uh, obviously the only one I really want to play right now is, um, uh, God of War Ragnarok. But also Marvel Spider Man. I, I yeah. before, before I stop myself, I was gonna say I do wonder if the PlayStation kind of limits, or not limits, but that game is designed so specifically for PlayStation hardware that porting mm. it to a PC is just an impossible task.
1: I think if they do it at all, it will only be when the um spider-man 2 or whatever it's called with uh, venom and craven comes out i think maybe they'll release that on playstation and pc guys will get the older games hopefully
0: um i just want to apologize for anybody that's hearing a cell phone going off i don't know why that is happening it's 2022 My... cell phones shouldn't be interacting
1: with sound equipment what's I'm, going uh, I'm... on Taken back to the early two thousands when my PC speakers knew I was getting a call before I did. Yeah. Um yeah, my phone's in the other room. Don't know what's going on. It's probably Discord. We'll yeah. just blame it on yeah, Discord. We'll it on Discord. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, cool. So
0: Uncharted Collection for PC. We're expecting it later in June, but that could change, correct, Robin?
2: Yeah, it could change. Yeah, hopefully it doesn't though.
1: Okay. Uh, Clinton, what have you what are you yes. looking forward to in terms of game uh, releases? Uh, something not a lot of people have been talking about. It's a game called Temtem. Horrible name. I don't know why <laughs> they chose that so a bit of a backstory temtem was released in 2019 already it was a long time ago um but it was released in early access and it's actually being published by humble bundle or i think they just call themselves humble games nowadays um this is an indie take on pokemon it's you know it's a creature collection and battling game and it's been in early access for years now and they finally announced 6th of september this year it's coming out the 1.0 is coming out And they are promising quite a lot. Um, I just had the number here. There's going to be a few hundred Temtem to collect. Uh, Yeah, so it is also an MMO, which is something I should have said right at the top. I think it's something Pokemon fans have been asking for years, is let us go online, let us be with our friends, let this be kind of an MMO experience. And Game Freak has other ideas, and I don't think they will ever go that way. So. It's one of those uh, situations where if the big dogs won't do it, a smaller company will come in and fill that niche. And that's what Temtem is. Um, Another thing Temtem does that uh, maybe is more for the competitive guys and the casual people don't care as much is that in Pokemon, I think like 99% of the battles are just one Pokemon versus one Pokemon. But then the competitive side is always two versus two. And in Temtem, the default is just two versus two. So the people who really like the competitive side of pokemon will fit right in here and i don't really play early access games we get offered to review a lot of them and my kind of take on them is that no matter how much i want to play a game i would rather just wait a year or two and have a full experience than play something that's only a half experience or a quarter Mm. experience and I've been watching Temtem, it had a big splash when it entered early access, and everyone was like, oh, Pokemon killer, Pokemon killer, finally we got a game that we want. And now two years later, I don't really see that much enthusiasm anymore, but I think maybe when it launches, we'll get that back. I have no idea if this is going to be at all comparable to Pokemon. From what they've released so far, and from the early access reviews and everything, it looks like a really solid attempt, but... I won't know until I play, and that's only happening in September. The other thing I want to mention, and again, I have a link to this, is that they're doing a collector's edition, which is very weird. It costs $100, which is about 1,500 Rand. And it's, I mean, it looks like a good collector's edition. It's just weird that A, it's an indie game, and B, it's the first game in the series. And I don't know, maybe they're fans who have been playing it all through early access, and then they're like, oh, I really want this. There's like a PVC Who's statue. Who's the publisher? The publisher is Humble Games. Okay. Yeah, Humble Bundle. Um, the developer is one uh I had it written. Yeah, uh, they just called Kremer. That's the name of the developer. So yeah, I
0: mean like I was tempted to say oh maybe it's just a cash grab, but I mean Humble doesn't seem like the type of company that needs to do a cash grab for collector's edition. Like you say maybe it could just be there's a there's a big fan base
1: yeah I'm I'm sure that people you know they did a cost benefit analysis and uh, again I'm sure this is mainly for people who have already been playing the game and they want more Um, if this was an indie game that just like launched right now and they're like we have a collector's edition maybe it wouldn't sell but I think now that they've got that player base they might uh, be able to sell these so that's um, that's Temtem I don't know if it's going to be any good it looks pretty good the early access reviews say it's good, I'm not going to buy the <laughs> collector's edition but I think I will just buy this when it launches. Um, it's, gonna, it's a few more months before it does but I'll pick this up. I think I've talked about on the podcast a few times the Pokemon games and how they they have been a bit disappointing over the last like, few years ever since the Switch came out so I'm really rooting for another company to come and I don't want to say embarrass them but I, I just want to see some innovation in yeah. this in the genre that pokemon has kind of had a stranglehold on for decades so that's temtem check it out 6th of september i don't know how good it's going to be hopefully it's very good so moving on
0: uh talking of game killers the destiny killer known as outriders uh is getting a in quotation marks a dlc Uh, And the reason I say that so tentatively is because this seems very much like a reimagining of the game rather than just uh, additional content. So the DLC is called World Slayer. It introduces a brand new campaign to Outriders. Um, It gives you new uh, armor to collect, new weapons to chase. It's basically a whole reimagining of the game. So uh, you might recall if you played Outriders at launch, it was a very linear sort of looter shooter, although less emphasis on loot and more emphasis on shoot. Um, get the game had varying difficulties. You could team up with uh, other players, but it was really boring, especially once you finish the main campaign uh, and you try to participate in the end game. The end game was centered around something called, uh, I believe they're called excursions. Um, Sorry, I just got to double check the name here. Uh, Expeditions. That's what they were called. Expeditions were the end game content. And essentially you had to finish a mission in a certain amount of time. And if you didn't finish it in a certain amount of time, well, then your rewards were terrible. Um, You basically had to complete a very difficult mission with other players in like under five minutes. And the matchmaking was terrible. Uh, people lost interest in the game very quickly and the rewards were just really lackluster. So World Slayer promises to change all of that, giving players new endgame content, new gear to chase, new weapons to get. Um, And I would say that I'm excited, except the memory of Outriders has been burned into my mind and it's not a good memory. Um, One of the issues that I had with the game while playing it was that it was not rewarding at all. Uh, I think, in the uh, hundred hours or so that I played this game, um, uh sorry, alive. sixty hours that I played this game. Uh, I picked up like one legendary weapon, um which is like the 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 best of the best weapons that you can get. Um i res- I've never picked up legendary armor in the game. There's just it's not rewarding at all for a player of any sort of if you're casual. This game is not for you. Um, I don't know whether World Slayer is going to change that. I doubt it will, um, but we'll have to wait and see. The game, the DLC launches on 30th of June. I am not going to purchase it day one. I'm going to wait and see what reviews say about it, uh, because as I said, the last game was just or the the last time I played the game. It was really lackluster, especially at the end game. Um, yeah, I I just. I'm very tentative about this one, given that uh, the last time I played this game, when it was dubbed as a Destiny Killer, uh, it was really lackluster. In fact, I go so far as to say that if you want to play a looter shooter, go back and play the Division 1 uh, or play yeah. the Division 2. Because, And you don't want to play Destiny, what, what I mean to say there. But World Slayer, I don't know. Uh, people can fly and Square Enix are really going to have to showcase that this is a game worth playing. Uh, otherwise, I think this one is dead in the water and we won't see a sequel.
1: I uh, I played the uh, the beta for that before it released and mm. it's uh, one of those times where the point of a beta is supposed to be... Sorry, a demo, not a beta. Uh, the point of a demo is supposed to be to get people excited about your game and it did anything but it made me completely uninterested in the mm. game. So I skipped the full release. I mean, I hope this expansion or this DLC or whatever it's classified as can steer things right, but I'm... Uh, I'm not optimistic about this one.
0: Yeah, no, it's just, uh, I don't know. There's just the gameplay loop is not fun because it's not rewarding. So what you'll do is you'll go into an expedition, you'll spend five minutes of hard, or like five to 15 minutes of really hardcore, intense concentration and fighting trying to survive against these really high well, these really difficult enemies and then you don't get anything mm. that's rewarding you just get rubbish that you've already had uh, in that you got from the story campaign um, it, it's just there's, there's very little progression the end game feels so stagnant uh, so the only way that World Slayer is actually going to lure people in is by making the end game fun and that is so damn tricky if you want to know how tricky it is Destiny still hasn't nailed it down 100%. They get a lot of things right, but a lot of the time they don't. So yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of morbidly curious to see what World Slayer is about, but I don't have much faith. Right, let's move on to movies that are coming out still this year. Um, and I'm going to pick robin to talk first because i'm actually also curious about this movie uh do you want to tell us about it robin it's called the northman
2: yeah i think i have touched on it on previous podcasts um the movie already released uh, in other parts of the world i believe in late april uh but for whatever reason it hasn't launched in south africa yet or um it was initially slated to hit cinemas on the 17th of June but I checked out Stokinico and New Mitchell's sites and it has not been changed coming soon so again I've cheated <laughs> um, that said I have found it uh, it's going to be showing on the 17th of June at the Labia Theatre in Cape Town uh, I don't plan on flying out to Cape Town just to watch a movie <laughs> uh, but hopefully uh, Stokinico and New will update their sites closer to the date um, so yeah the actual movie itself uh, it stars Alexander Skarsgård uh, Nicole Kidman Anya Taylor-Joy, Ethan Hawke, it's uh, got Bjork and William Dafoe in it as well, uh, if you're interested in those uh, musicians and actors respectively. Um, and it's directed by Robert Eggers, who also did The Witch, which I haven't seen because I'm not really into horror, but I did watch The Lighthouse, oh. and I thought that it was disturbingly brilliant. Um, so I'm really interested to see what this movie is going to be like. Um, it kind of hits a lot of the marks for me. Um, the actual story itself is uh, also what inspired uh, William Shakespeare to write Hamlet, so the no. the focus here is on a Danish, Viking prince who is after revenge after his uncle kills his father, who's played by Ethan Hawke, and then I don't want to give away too much of the plot, but um, he goes off uh, a vow for revenge and comes back a really jacked, six foot two plus. Uh, Norse God, that is Alexander Skarsgård. So from what I've read, I've tried to kind of steer clear reviews for this, uh, purely for the fact I want to go it's kind of blind. Uh, but from what I've seen and heard so far, it is a really visceral experience. Mm. Uh, a lot of great uh, one-take shots uh, in the film. And yeah, it, it looks like, like a good romp.
0: That sounds like cheating, though. First, you've got Alexander Skarsgård. Then you've got single-take shots, which are just, I mean, they are gorgeous to behold um and you've got bjork who is just weird enough to be interesting in films um
1: they, she plays like a like a a witch um yeah. and like a like a, a bog woman i don't mm-hmm. know how else to describe her and a few months ago they released a picture of her in costume and all the comments were like this is just bjork she's not wearing <laughs> a costume this is how she just usually dresses which i had a good laugh about
0: but yeah, uh, this does look really interesting, Robin. I'm I'm just as curious to watch it as you are, um, because
2: yeah, I found it really odd that game uh, match didn't get this into local cinemas sooner. It was it was generating a, a decent amount of buzz, so yeah, it was a bit odd that now it's not featured on either of their sites, but hopefully the labia can pull
0: through for us i mean it's it it reminds me of the 90s when like films would launch in the u.s and then like three years later they'd arrive in south africa and you're like oh this movie's new and then you can find it on certain sites that you shouldn't be visiting for free um but yeah it's (laughs) really weird maybe it's a it's got to do with the fpb and its licensing and stuff maybe it's just too extreme for them
2: I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm on a web tickets right now, and it's got a 16 EVSN, so it's nothing nothing crazy.
1: Something weird has been happening, I think, because I thought the whole uh, age restriction stuff is why uh, Jackass showed up in South Africa late, but then I spoke to the FPB, and they said, no, it's not our side holding things up. It was just submitted uh, late. So, I don't know what's going on.
0: It could just be that as well, since then again.
1: So, yeah. The Northmen. Yeah,
0: right. Uh, I'm going to jump in here quickly because I just want to talk about mine. Um, So when I was a kid, uh, I have to go back here a little bit. Um, I was a a 10-year-old child and there was a movie that was released and it was called Jurassic Park. And my mother would not let me go and watch that movie because it had an age restriction of 13 and she thought it would scare me. So when I was 13, the first thing I wanted to do was watch Jurassic Park, and I did, and it scared me. And that movie <laughs> left an impression on me for the rest of my life. The soundtrack, the um, the I don't want to say CGI because it wasn't CGI. It was yeah. uh, It was special effects, um, with like models and robotics, uh, animatronics. That's what their name is. Um, and it was it was fantastic. It was as a as a young boy growing up who was obsessed with dinosaurs. This was an incredible film, and I've just always loved Jurassic Park movies, and I'm really excited for Jurassic Park Dominion. Now, I know that the Jurassic Park movies have become like Hollywood action cliches. I get it, right? With masses of CGI, no more practical effects, I understand. But it's still fun to see dinosaurs running around on screen and attacking humans. Um, which I think has become one of my favorite parts of this, is that the dinosaurs aren't just behind a cage anymore. They're now like an actual threat to humans. Um, So Jurassic Park Dominion sees, uh, I I don't know if it's going to be the last one, uh, but it does really feel like it's going to be the last one in the series. um, Just because of the events that have led up to this. Uh, So the, uh, the movie is coming out on June 10th. Um, it was released. Uh, it premiered in Mexico City in earlier this month in May, uh, and it takes place four years after the Isla Nublar. After Isla Nublar has been destroyed, dinosaurs dinosaurs now live and hunt alongside humans all over the world. The fragile balance will reshape the future and determine once and for all whether human beings are to remain the apex predators on a planet they now share with history's most fearsome creatures. Um, well, once again, uh, Chris Pratt is Owen Grady, who is uh, the Velociraptor Whisperer um and it seems like him and his daughter uh i don't know what her relation is i believe it's his daughter um are now trying to
1: save blue's daughter it, it's, have, it's a little bit weird yeah. have you not watched the one before this Brendan? i
0: have watched this one oh i have what i did yes
1: yeah it's isn't she the uh that one girl from there not her daughter i uh I, I can't say more because it will spoil that. I thought it was that. But then again, it's been a very long time since I saw that yeah, movie. So I, maybe I'm a misremembering. Uh,
0: anyway, so they are trying to say Blue's daughter or Blue's child, I guess. I don't want to say. Yeah. I, I don't know what the, the how to determine the gender of a, a dinosaur. Um, but it looks like just mindless fun with dinosaurs on screen. Um, and we do see the return of Sam Neill as Alan Grant, uh, Laura Dern, Laura Dern as Ellie Sattler and Jeff Goldblum, which is kind of also cheating because once you see them in the film, you're like, oh, that's that's my nostalgia kicking in. Um, so yeah, I mean, it looks like a bit of fun nonsense, uh, a little bit of a Hollywood romp, um, and yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to win any
1: Oscars. I don't. Well, think- I mean. I think uh, I think one of them, like the the recent ones, won an Oscar for something. It might have been for effects, I don't know. A- and for a while, the first Jurassic World was the um the top grossing movie ever. It actually beat Avengers at one point. So, I mean, could happen. Yeah, Just say.
0: it it could happen. It absolutely could happen. But I mean, it's it's. Do you really think that this is going to be like a sure for an Oscar?
1: Oh no, not a shooter. <laughs> Maybe a contender. It Could have been a
0: contender. No, it won't be a contender either. Also, you are correct. It is not his daughter. It is the. Uh, it is the. I believe it was the. It is a character from a previous movie. I yeah, we we much. can't. It's a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Jurassic Park Dominion, June tenth in cinemas. Um, I believe South Africa is getting it at the same time. Uh,
1: but yeah. Jurassic Park to me. Clinton, what are are you looking forward to? I have to go the uh, more basic route, the next Marvel movie, uh, which is Thor Love and Thunder, which is uh, odd for a few reasons. One is that it's the shortest time between a reveal trailer, which just happened recently, and the release of a movie. And I think it's also the shortest time between two Marvel movies releasing because Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness just came out, it feels like. And the reasons for that is, you know, that's still the effects of the pandemic and the Disney Plus shows and the whole jumble caused by the uh, the pandemic. So we are getting it sooner rather than later. Um, the release date is, I wrote it down here, 8th July. So it's a little while away, but not that long away. And I mean, in the past, we needed to wait like six months, usually for the next Marvel movie. Now we just need to wait like two. So mm. very excited about this. I think... Thor Ragnarok kind of reinvented this character and it made people care about Thor, which is amazing because his first movie was just like so milk toast and the second one was actively hated. Um yeah, it's funny. Um the Dark World kind of became like the most important movie um in because of Infinity War and yeah. Endgame, which is hilarious. I can't believe that that movie became like the linchpin of the stories of so many other movies. But everyone thought that Thor was just this kind of boring character who just had a big hammer and didn't really do much else besides that. And then Ragnarok came around and everyone was like, oh, I'm a Thor fan. I love Thor. So now we're getting Love and Thunder and it's promising to take what was good about Ragnarok and make it even better. More silly action, more humor, more colors, um, especially colors. I mean, people talk about Marvel movies all looking the same or sounding the same and everything like that. And Ragnarok and now Love, of Thunder, Love and Thunder are looking to be more bombastic. Looks like an 80s uh, hair metal uh, oh yeah, music video. And that's very intentional. I think uh, Taika Watiti even tweeted that Oh, yeah, he did. He, he tweeted a poster of the movie, and he changed it from 2022 to, say, 1986 or something like that, which I had a good laugh about. It's not coming out in the 80s, if anyone's <laughs> wondering. They have not unlocked time travel at uh, Disney, even though they probably will wonder. So it's very intentional, and there's two big characters that who are going to make this movie even more crazy, and that is Jane Foster. She's back. She hasn't been in Marvel movies for a long time. Um, I'm sure that has something to do with contracts and everything, but she is now Thor as well. Um, so for those who don't read the comics, at some point in the comics um, Thor becomes unworthy and he drops the hammer and then Jane Foster uh, I, I can't spoil the comic, even though the comic's are like 10 years old at this point. She becomes Thor through various mechanisms and in, now in the MCU, that's really weird because Thor and now Lady Thor used to date and um. Uh, interestingly, in the trailer, uh, Jane Foster says, how long has it been? Three years? And Thor says, no, it's been eight years. And that's funny because the blip was five years. And I, I think we have confirmation that Jane was snapped away um, in one of the like computer screens that says, you know, this person's missing. She was there. So it's interesting to have her back as Thor. And her hammer, Mjolnir, it looks like it was basically put together uh, with superglue. Because we know in Ragnarok, um, the hammer was destroyed. So how did she get it back? How did she become Thor? We don't know. You have to buy a movie uh, movie ticket and find out. The other big character is Gore the God Butcher. And they actually call him that. It's funny that uh, family-friendly Disney calls the (laughs) character the God Butcher of all things. So again, I don't want to spoil the comics. But in the comics, Gore is an alien who basically... um, I can't remember his, his exact origin. His his like planet is destroyed and he keeps asking his gods for help and none of them answer. And then a deity gives him a sword, but the deity is the person who created the, symbi- the symbiotes, which is Venom. So are they going to bring that into the MCU? I highly doubt it because I think Marvel kind of hates everything Sony does and rightfully so. Um, I don't think we're going to see Venom in this movie. I don't know if that Venom uh, deity is going to be the one who gives Gaul his power, but basically he gets a magic sword, he becomes very strong, and he goes around the universe killing gods. And in the trailers we've seen for this movie so far, we actually do see a few dead gods, which is really interesting. And how is this all going to play together? Because like Ragnarok, which combined several um, comic book plot lines, including also Ragnarok and World War Hulk and a few others, how are they going to bring all these big comic book stories into one movie that is probably still going to be like three hours long? So we don't know. And it's very soon that we're going to see this. There's one other thing. Oh, the the CGI I want to talk about. In this trailer, the CGI is pretty bad. (laughs) At some point, Thor is wearing a helmet, and it just is so clearly pasted on in After Effects. And it's like, you can't even give him, like, a mask? Why did you have to CGI a helmet? Um, and a, a lot of it looks really shoddy. And I think when we go into the last section, it's the shoddiest CGI um, in a long time. So, yeah, I'm excited about this one. I'm excited about most Marvel projects. It's just the CGI is not looking great. Um, and there's going to be, there's something called the goat boat in this uh in this movie, which is a Norse longship pulled by magical goats. Um, Again, for people who don't read the comics, uh, Thor has two goats called, I think it's Tooth-Nasher and Tooth-Nor, or something like that, and they pull his boat um, and it goes across the stars, which is really interesting. So that's Love and Thunder. I think I'm not alone in being very excited about this. Um, You guys excited about it? I'm excited to see Christian Bale in
0: a movie again. (laughs)
1: Yeah, he's he's gore. I forgot to mention that. Um, it's it's funny because, in again, in the comics, he's a very clearly alien-looking guy. He's got, like, tendrils coming out of his head, and he's got backwards knees and everything, but now he just looks like Christian Bale in a lot of, like, pale makeup. He looks like a monk, basically, um, which is good because, like I said, the CGI Marvel is seemingly getting worse every year. Um, so if they're just going to put uh, Bale... In some makeup, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, you looking forward to that one, Robin?
2: Um, slightly. Uh, it kind of depends on what kind of uh, marks they hit in the movie. I know we're talking about um, the kind of inspiration from the comic books. There are certain plot points that I'm really hoping that they they do hit and not try and make everything all nice and friendly at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's kind of what I'm hoping for. I'll definitely be watching this though.
0: Yeah, I mean they did Civil War, which was how many comics was that, Clinton? Like a hundred? Oh, comics geez, hundreds.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I remember when the first Civil War was coming out. I went and I read all those comics, and I got to the end. I was like, "There's no way they're going to do all of that in the movies." And I was right. <laughs> they did like one tenth of it. So, yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll pick and choose. And you know, Ragnarok. A lot of people doubting Ragnarok could fit it all into one movie, and they did. So, I'm willing to give uh, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Marvel only let us down seldomly. Uh, Eternals (laughs) was really bad. Man, Eternals was a bad movie.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't ever want to hear that name ever again, please. Right. uh, Let's move on to the last topic, which is TV series. And I'm going to kick this one off um, with The Umbrella Academy Season 3, which finally arrives on Netflix. Yes, finally, on 22nd June. Um, I think the last season of this show was released in, was it 2020? Ooh, I'm pretty I, sure I it was remember let me do, let me do a fact check here quickly uh it was released yeah 2020. uh so we have waited now two and a half years for this story to continue um and the series seems to pick up where things left off which is to say after the umbrella Academy discovers that they are no longer the only ones or they aren't the the um, I suppose they aren't the uh, the only Umbrella Academy. They, there's something called the Sparrow Academy now, and mm-hmm. it appears as if there's been some timey-wimey nonsense, as per usual with the Umbrella Academy, and uh, the events that the events that closed out season two have created a paradox that is swallowing everything in the world. I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but there is something that happens there's a big event at the end of season two i you can kind of see it coming because it's the final episode and there's usually a big thing a cliffhanger for series like this um but what i was interested to see was how they were going to uh uh fit in the role of vanya who is now played by elliot page um who's recently undergone a transition from uh Yeah, who's recently undergone a transition. And it seems that the way that they are going to work that transition into the story is by having uh, Elliot Page's character come out as trans in the show, which I think is a really cool way of of doing it rather than trying to do it like off screen and try and explain it somehow. It's very cool that they're putting that front and center. Um, There is some, seems like there's some nonsense with five that's happening um, although that's also not saying anything because that guy always seems to cause nonsense. Uh, but yeah, there's a trailer that was released, uh, last week. It's really fun. It's a fun trailer. They use sweets ballroom blitz, which is also once again, cheating always will hype that song. Um, yeah, uh, I'm just really looking forward to seeing more of these siblings, uh, seeing Luther seeing, uh, Klaus, especially cause I love that actor. <laughs> um, but yeah, are you guys looking forward to The Umbrella Academy Season 3?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, a bit shocked it's been so long. I mean, I knew like subconsciously it's been a very long time since that show came out, but it, yeah, it's been long and like you said, they actually ended on a cliffhanger, so it made that wait even more unbearable. Um, yeah. I... Yeah, the last two seasons have been great. I mean, I've got nothing to complain about. Um, It's just been good. And... I wonder how much of the comics, again, this is based on comics, um, they've deviated from everything in the comics so much. Mm. So it will be interesting to see how much they deviate more. And I think when we talk about Robin's one, that is another thing that is based on comic books and has also deviated a lot. And we're all excited to see where it goes from there.
0: Yeah, I do just want to mention that the creator of this comic book is Gerard Way, who's the frontman for My Chemical Romance, which just released a new song in 2022. So if you're an elder emo like me, uh, go and check out My Chemical
1: Romance. Man, some people have all the talent. It's not fair.
0: Yeah, it's really not fair. Uh, speaking of another series that's based on comic books, Robin, you're looking forward to the third season of The Boys, yes?
2: Yeah, that's correct. Um, from what I remember, it's coming out 3rd of June, and I think going to be two episodes available on Amazon Prime Video when it, it is available, and then, of course, uh, a new episode each week after that, I think until the 8th of July. Wow. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of content to look forward to. Uh, as you guys mentioned, they are based on a series of comic books. Uh, they do differ quite a bit, or rather veer off uh, fairly early on. Um, I think that's also because the actual Boys Comics book is... <laughs> It's really intense. I think if they had to try and do as much stuff that happens in the comic book series in the actual T V series, it would it probably wouldn't make it to air. Um there's some really rough some rough panels in that series. Yeah. But um <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to the third season. Um I'm also kinda of interested to see what they do with Soldier Boy, which is a new character that'll kind of not take front front and center, but will feature heavily in the plot and kind of how they're gonna use him to go up against Homelander. That'll be quite interesting. So yeah. I think uh, when the kind of first season came out of The Boys, it really kind of uh, gave, everyone gave I guess, the entire industry maybe a gut punch, for lack of a better term. Just as I know that we've had done like really dark takes on superheroes, but this one was almost, it, it was dark, but in a really interesting way, mm-hmm. uh, a way that we haven't perhaps seen before. And yeah, I'm hoping that uh, they kind of continue that trend with the third season.
1: Yeah, uh, if we didn't get the boys um I don't and the boys being popular, I don't think we would have had um Invincible. Yeah. Um I mm. think if you pitched Invincible before the boys came out, you wouldn't have um uh, you wouldn't have gotten funding or whatever. I'm still um,
0: surprised to be honest, I'm still surprised that Invincible got Green because I mean, number one, it's a it's a animated series. It's ultra violent. Um, it's very much made for adults. Like even though the boys is like Pretty much the same, ultraviolet, um, but not uh not animated, of course. Like the fact that Invincible got greenlit is still astounding to me.
1: Yeah. And I it's really be hope a second they go
2: season. Yeah, I hope they go all the way with it as far as doing as many seasons as possible yeah. of Invincible because it gets really, really crazy later
0: Right. Uh Clinton, you yes. uh there was something that was released just or oh, announced just last week, and you're looking forward to oh it. She hawks
1: now this is the shoddy cgi was talking about so she hulk of course has existed in the comics for a very long time the cousin of bruce banner she gets the powers of the hulk when she needs an emergency blood transfusion to save her life and the only person who can do it is the hulk and that's how she gets her powers we're not sure if that's also going to be her origin in the show but it looks like it will be and the trailer is great except for the cgi um Like the regular MCU Hulk, Bruce Banner, She-Hulk is an entirely CGI character and it just looks bad. I really don't know another way to say it or a way to be less harsh. I'm a bit shocked that it looks so bad. And I've heard some people say, oh, it's still a few months before it comes out. She-Hulk comes out on the 17th of August. There's no way they're going to improve what we saw in two months. There's just no way. And every time we've gotten a MCU trailer that had some shoddy, C- shoddy CGI, we've had people say, oh, they've still got time. They can make it better. And then the final movie is exactly how it looks in the trailer. So I'm almost certain that what we see here is how the character and how the show is going to look. And it's just bad. I'm I'm shocked. Uh, there's really no way around it. I, I don't know. You guys saw it. Do you... Am I overblowing things, or does it look as bad as I think it does?
2: Um, For me, it's not really about the CGI, actually. I think I'd have to see uh, a couple more trailers because I understand that not every single Marvel series has to be high stakes, but from what I've seen of She-Hulk, it seems like there's very little going on Mm. as far as a a captivating storyline. I understand, uh, for me... It almost seems like one of those eighties films where uh almost like junior, where Tom Hanks is kind of put into an adult body when he's meant to be a kid and it's like kind of fish out of water or trying to adjust to this crazy scenario. If that's the whole premise of the film, of the series, I'm not gonna look forward to it at all. So I'm hoping yeah. that with future trailers there's gonna be something a bit more substance uh mm-hmm. to what's going on there.
0: Yeah, it seems too much to me like a like a sitcom, like big bang theory, yeah. Track. Like, I'm worried that that's, they're trying to make it too fun when, like, I don't know, the Hulk seems like a serious character, like, the well, idea of the Hulk, you know? Sorry. The Hulk
1: yeah. is, but the She-Hulk is actually quite a jovial character. Um, So, I, I don't really have a problem with the humor, because they've shown in the comics they can do it. Um, She-Hulk is supposed to be a fun character, and uh, at some point she even, like, breaks the third wall. Um, in the comics, so I, I think a part of the personality of this character is a funnier edge um, but to talk about uh, Robin's point where it feels like not a lot happens in the show, I think that's a fair assessment to make because not a lot happens in any of the Marvel shows so far um, I think the one that had the biggest like bearing on the universe was WandaVision, and I don't want to spoil anything, but not really, so to, to answer your, your guys' questions about the rest of the show, I can definitely say if some of it is justified, I, I also have a worry that it's just not really gonna matter. Um, we'll see, obviously. But for me, the, the CGI is the biggest thing. And there's two extra folds to this. The first is that somebody um, has come out and revealed that they worked on some of the CGI and they had to keep making She-Hulk smaller. Because apparently they started off as a much bigger character Mm. and they kept getting notes from like test audiences saying they wanted a smaller She-Hulk, which is absolutely ridiculous. Mm. Um, After Resident Evil Village, you'd think they understand (laughs) that a tall, leading (laughs) lady would be a a recipe for success. But anyway. And the other thing is that I I don't understand why they needed to do a CGI character. The Hulk, uh, the regular Hulk... You can't do that as just you get a big bodybuilder because he's literally bigger than the biggest human ever made. Mm. Even in the comic, She-Hulk has ridiculous proportions, Mm. but I think you could have just gotten an actress who is a bodybuilder to play this character. Mm. And a lot of people have said that. If you're going to make the character so small because of your test screenings or whatever, why didn't you just make her possible to be played by a real actress. You could have had the one actress being the non-superpowered version and another actress as She-Hulk. And Mm. I
2: think that would have worked out fine. I really... It sounds to me like it's designed by committee. Because I'm going to take the example of uh, The Last of Us Part 2 and I forget the character's name now. I think it's Abby, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Who everyone hated. And she was quite muscular as well. Yeah, I think that's... I, I think that was also kind of... Obviously, people hated what the character did in the game, mm. but I don't I don't think the general populace like that kind of aesthetic for yeah. some reason. I don't know I, why, but yeah.
1: I, I agree with you to a point, but I think the whole discussion about The Last of Us 2 has kind of been poisoned by not what the character is and what she looks like by but by what she did in the story. And again, we can't spoil it. But I, I completely understand you, Robin. I, I think the people at Marvel looked at that and said let's not fall into the same trap but on the other hand I think that's a completely different situation that was kind of marred by the fact that the <laughs> the writing in that game kind of made you hate that character on purpose um, yeah I think that's a, a different situation but I can understand that some people say oh I don't like how this character looks and I don't know why Marvel is catering to that It's um, it's very frustrating so, um, something I do, go just, ahead,
0: I do just want to mention, though, is I think a lot of my misgivings about Marvel series come from stem from the fact that the only Marvel series I've seen came from Netflix, and I think there were two that were kind of good, good, which was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, Daredevil. Um, although, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I'm kind of giving a bit of a... I think I'm giving it too much credit, but yeah. Daredevil was <laughs> definitely the one that was kind of... Or, was it? Yeah, De- yeah, it was Daredevil. That was it was pretty good. Um, hmm. But I I wonder if with Disney at the helm now, um, like something like this could actually land and do quite well. You know, like yeah. Uh, I don't know. We'd have to we'll have to wait and see for it to come out. Obviously. Yeah. But I mean, at the at the time right now, it just doesn't seem like something that I'm excited to watch. I'm a little bit hesitant to watch it. If anything.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's completely understandable. Um, and I think also uh, a lot of people in South Africa are now catching up on all the Marvel shows, and, and I don't want to say they're finding themselves disappointed. Um, but the shows have just they've just been missing the mark, and I'm not entirely sure why. I think that their stakes are just much lower compared to the movies, and I don't even think the CGI has been a problem in the shows. I've watched all the shows so far. It's just that you kind of go into these projects expecting kind of these huge plots and these huge action sequences, and that really hasn't been the main point of the shows so far. Um, And another thing about the shows is that a lot of them, despite being, you know, like six episodes or so, a lot of them just could have been a movie. Mm. So I think a lot of them have that kind of dragging feeling where like, I don't want to watch, you know, like three more episodes. You should have cut some of this out. and. Having watched the shows, I can definitely agree with that. So, yeah, the the combination of the show having this really bad first impression with the fact that the other shows haven't left people with the best idea of what Marvel TV is, mm. has painted this upcoming movie in... in not series. the best light yeah C- yeah series sorry a <laughs> bit of a Freudian slip there it would have it it be been yeah as a movie i think like to
0: introduce she-hulk through a movie tell the backstory give us some context like i think that would have been great or like you know maybe a, a movie just about
1: hulk where we actually get the hulk that's played yeah. the hulk all these years to play the uh, hulk. The, yeah and the hulk is in the show uh we don't know to how much but he, uh yeah he is in the show um so yeah that's my pick i'm gonna watch it because i am still genuinely excited about it and also i kind of want to see what it looks like if it's going to be a train wreck or if they can really you know polish this one up
0: uh that's gonna wrap it up from us thank you so much for tuning in uh from myself Brendan locks cheerio from clinton matos bye everybody and for robin and e. chessy thank you everyone we'll see you next week
2: goodbye